Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The All-Americans takes us into the home of the nation's largest Latino immigrant population, East Los Angeles, a community that sits squarely in the crossfire of the debate about American identity. Yet every November, this community comes together for a distinctly American event, drawing up 25,000 proud locals to one of the country's fiercest high school football rivalries. The game is called the East L.A. Classic, and the film is called The All-Americans, and it is about sports, it's about community, it's about immigrants, it's about a lot of different things, and we're fortunate to have with us the uh, four-tooled player uh, of uh, director, producer, editor, and writer, and that would be Billy McMillan. Billy, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to have an opportunity to talk about this film that I would refer to as, uh, that I have referred to as an intimate, unvarnished look at young men who are kind of living on the margins, who are really in, in, in pursuit of that elusive American dream. Uh, it's about a lot of different things, but how did the, how did your, um, did this project come to you? How did you become the director of the All-Americans? Well, I pitched this idea originally, um, and it, and it came to me based on, I was, you know, I've been a, a documentary film editor for many years, and just driving home from my commute one day, I heard a little news announcement on the radio about the game um, and about it being in East L.A. Um, I've lived in L.A. for a long time and um, knew very little about that community, almost nothing. Um, and yet it was a community that was just about 10 miles from me. And so, you know, that's kind of embarrassing, actually, when you first, you know, think about it. And so I decided to start looking into it and, and try to understand what was making this game unique, why it was drawing such a huge fan base, and, and why it was not only just a fan base, but why it was a tradition that had gone back more than 80 years. And so just, you know, with a brief little bit of research, I was surprised that, that there was such a rich culture that nobody had really done, you know, uh, an intimate film like the one that I wanted to do on it. Um, I've been trying to do a film or I've been wanting to do a film um, about that dealt with American identity and how American identity is changing, um, in, you know, in the world that we live in today. Um, and this seemed like a really good way to get into that and, and frame a story around a big game, around a football game, something that people see as, a, you know, quintessentially American, a less than normal community. And I contacted the coaches, I contacted the schools who were overwhelmingly welcoming. And within a few weeks, you know, I had actually reached out to my uh, producers, Rafi Marmore and Chris Leggett, and, um, and they jumped right on and wanted to, you know, wanted to do it. And, uh, and we went over that with the coaches and started, um, you know, basically interviewing kids at that point. Yeah. By the way, just so people know, uh, um, two things. One, the the high schools involved are Roosevelt High School as well as Garfield High School, and they are in East L.A., and I will kind of piggyback on something that you said earlier. 
I've lived in Los Angeles area my entire life. I spent a good portion of my life living in sort of the foothills of, of this uh, L.A. area and used to drive right through East Los Angeles on a regular basis. And to your point, it is, it is I wouldn't say it's a walled off community, but it's a community that I had not spent any time in until I went to work for a public agency in Los Angeles County. So I, I, it's, it's, it is odd, and it goes back to the sort of the division of Los Angeles. It's not just immigrant Latino community of East L.A. There are so many other communities that, it, for most people, in the, in, of certainly most white people, I'll speak for myself, we don't spend any time in those communities. And I think that's one of the aspects that makes the All-Americans so appealing, is we spend some real time and in the lives of these people. Is this a fair um, uh, rendering of, I mean, of what you were looking at when you first started doing the film? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that drew me to Los Angeles in the first place, I come from Seattle, which is a very white community. You know, there there are, there is diversity up there, but it's predominantly white, especially the neighborhood that I was from. You know, one of the things that, that drew me to L.A. was its diversity, um, and living in the West Side, where I have, you know, for many years, you see that on a daily basis, but you see it, you know, all along one kind of socio socioeconomic, you know, status. And so this is a community, you know, it's a very working class community, and it's very highly concentrated Latino um, community. And so it does feel like a world unto itself when you first get there. Um, it's surprising, though, how once you start interacting with people in that, and, and people actually you know, want to interact with you, how quickly those walls come down and you, you know, you actually get to know people really quickly and they don't seem to think that it's, uh, you know, weird at all that you're there. Well, let's describe a little bit about the history of these two high schools. I mean, uh, Roosevelt High School as well as Garfield High School. Just, you, you alluded to it a little bit ago in terms of this is almost 80 years of high school football and it's become known as the East L.A. Classic. What other flavor can you bring to the description of, of, this, um, of this rivalry, and why is it such a pitched rivalry? Is it simply because it's predominantly Hispanic Latino, or is there some other element involved in it? Well, I do think that that plays a big role in it. I mean, this, you have to understand that this, LA, this part of L.A. has been known as the Ellis Island of the West. It's, the, you know, it's been kind of the immigrant landing ground for generations of immigrants, long, long before um, the Latino immigrant uh, base that's currently there started there. You know, it was waves of Jewish immigrants, Russian immigrants, Chinese immigrants, uh, many different waves. But yet, like most of those um, communities, they would start out there, and then they would, they would go off somewhere else. You know, they would start a community somewhere else in Los Angeles, and that's what you see throughout Los Angeles in a lot of places is there, there are these communities that have kind of, you know, have concentrated you know, ethnic groups in, in, in various sections of town. When the Latino immigrant population started there, I think back in, you know, kind of in the 60s and 70s, really, is when it, when it kind of reached its, like, its peak, that was the first community that really did decide that it wanted to stay and it wanted to put down roots there and make this a part of its home. And I think that that really um, made the rivalry grow and, um, you know, really built a, a sense of community um, pride within uh, with both schools. 
for a long time, they were the only two schools in that part of East L.A., and, um, and so you had these two schools that were, you know, heavily concentrated um, student populations. At, at one point, it was, you know, around 5,000 kids in each school. Since then, a couple of other schools have, have opened up, but the rivalry really kind of took off in that, in that space and, and, you know, and grew because I think, you know, these were two schools that, uh, you know, basically you had cousins that were playing each other, you had brothers and sisters that they, their fathers, uh, you know, and, and grandfathers had gone to the school. So I think the generational and also the, you know, the, the, the familial ties, I think, really made this, uh, this um, rivalry grow. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. The roots. This is a this is a community, as you said, and I, I couldn't put it better, has really taken root in East LA and and there are so many things that are that pulled this community together. And uh, right now there's some discussion about the gentrification of sort of along the 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 edges of East LA and there's a, so a lot of pushback on that. The, these people feel very strongly. I think it's safe to say they feel very strongly about their community. And something that I've observed that I think you see in your film, it, it, this is a very patriotic community as well. I think we forget how what a high percentage of people from that community have served, served in the armed forces of our country who have fought our wars at least the last... 15 to 20 years, it's been a predominantly Hispanic armed forces and in, in, in drawing from communities like East L.A. So there is a tremendous amount of patriotism in that community. It's also a community with a, a high percentage of people who are here without papers as well. So it is this mix. But I have found it to be, in some ways, hyper-patriotic. And I think a lot of it has to do with the connection to the armed service. Is that again? Is that a fair statement? Uh, I think I think that's very true, and I, and I think that there is. I think that's what's nice about this about the community in particular is how the, the diversity of the of you know of, of people's opinions uh, within it. You know, one of my coaches uh, that I fo- that I follow is Lorenzo Hernandez, who's the coach the Garfield Bulldogs. Is a guy who you know, son of an immigrant um, farmer. Um, had perfect attendance all through high school, uh, then joined the police academy, um, you know, has tremendous respect for law enforcement and, you know, is not somebody who you, you, you would think of as, as, as any sort of activist, um, you know, just a, a very disciplined guy um, and very dedicated to making the kids that, that are in his program, uh, you know, better citizens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Billy McMillan. He is the director of and producer and writer and editor of the film The All-Americans. And I want to let people know that if they want to see the film, it's opening here in Los Angeles on Friday, November 8th, uh, as we speak today on November 8th, Friday. And it's opening at a lot of different theaters um, in Covina, in Norwalk, in Orange, in Puente Hills, um, City of Commerce, there's a whole lot of, so you should check this out by going to allamericansfilm.com to find out about the screenings. How, and, um, if you're in the Los Angeles area, looks like there will be something close to you if, you're, uh, if you want to go out and see it. It's also opening in Texas 
New Jersey and New York in the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure it'll be rolling out from there as well. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned the coaches, you follow the coaches, you follow some of the key players on these teams. How long did you work on the film? How long were you filming uh, the, the All-Americans? I filmed for about two and a half, three years uh, with the kids. Um, and a large part of that had to do with the fact that there was such a changing landscape within the time that I was filming, kind of both goes before and, and after the age of Trump. And so you really saw the, um, the, the changes within the community and within people's fears and people's, uh, you know, feelings within the community. And I didn't want to focus on that. I didn't want people to think that this was a film about Trump. I mean, if you, if you watch the film, you'll hear his name said you know, one time by one reporter. Right. Uh, and that's very intentional. I don't want this to be a film that succumbs to that same sort of Trumpification that we find in everything. I wanted this to be a film that, that was able to speak to, to everybody and, and, and that people were able to appreciate these kids in the particular situation that they were at. That also took a lot of time in actually filming them. Um, and so I, I, I followed the kids throughout the, their high school season, which was about a year, and then I followed them afterwards as well. Again, it's about sports. It's about the football game. It's about the football team. But as is often the case with with good documentary filmmaking is it's about this sort of small stories, these smaller stories that illuminate a larger story that's something that uh, essentially transcends um, their particular circumstances. And you, and as you just described there, we see the parents, we see and get a kind of on the ground look at life in the, in the age of the, you know, 10 to $15 minimum wage and where people can work as hard as they can possibly work. And there's still 11 people in a three bedroom apartment in, in East LA. And, and it's just a cold, hard fact for a lot of different people who are trying so hard to reach that brass ring of the, of the, the American dream. Well, we see it in this film. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, I mean, that w- one of my main characters, Mario Ramirez, is very much in that situation. This yeah. is a kid who's a you know wide receiver for the Roosevelt Rough Riders, uh, has a sparkling GPA, um, dreams of going to schools like Stanford, Yale, and Harvard. Princeton. Um, you know, recruitment <laughs> letters from their football programs. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, this is a kid who lives in a, a mixed-status family with, uh, you know, 14 people in, this, in a three-bedroom uh, home, as you said. That's the real challenge. Works, a, you know, works in a convenience store at, at nights and has those dreams, but also, you know, has, this is not a Cinderella story film. This is a, a film about real life, and, and it's, it's not a film of, about Hollywood endings where, where you know, somebody comes in and, and, and saves all of these kids. This is a, a, a dream about hard work, and, and they transcend in other ways. Well, let me ask you in the last couple of minutes that I have with you, this is your first feature film as a documentary filmmaker, right? I have that right? That's correct, yeah. What is it that you, do you feel like you got the story that you want? This is your, you've, you've uh, I don't think I mentioned earlier that you've edited, uh, you know, Iraq and Fragments, and uh, you worked as a writer and an editor on West of Memphis, some just really remarkable filmmaking in those films and other films that uh, we could get into, but... You, as as far as sort of you transitioning from editor writer now as a the director, what have you taken away from this experience? And 
and getting the, the film that you wanted to make? I mean, ultimately, I wanted to tell, uh, you know, uh, a film about real people and, and, and mm-hmm. have them invest in, in, in me to tell their story. I do feel like we were really successful, you know, in that aspect. Of, of enlightening people into a community that they're they're not normally going to see, uh, in and and seeing these kids in extraordinary situations and really deal with uh, you know tremendous challenges in life. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I set out to do. To do and I, I I think the film succeeds in you know in many of those ways. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think you did a wonderful job here, getting us on the ground, unvarnished look at at the life of these the people in it. And also, uh, the working with an executive producer who's very well known, uh, Becky G, a singer, songwriter, and also an actress and multi-platinum award-winning uh, musician. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about how she came into the project. I can tell you that she had seen some things early on, and um, she had seen uh, some of our cuts early on. It really spoke to her. Uh, she came from very similar uh, situation. Uh, growing up in Los Angeles and 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 dealt with the same issues, uh, and so it was it was quite validating to hear how much this resonated with with her story, um, and I think that that really motivated her to wanting wanting to get involved um, and and wanting to um, you know give this film as much exposure as possible so that it could be seen by not only the Latino community, which she's you know such a huge force in, uh, but also um, people in the mainstream. Um, so, uh, you know, I couldn't have been more thrilled that, you know, that she, that she was excited to, you know, to come on board with the film. Well, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations on the team that you're working with on this film, on uh, the All-Americans, and congratulations on your first uh, documentary film, a feature-length documentary film, but you you have a, 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 resume, a wonderful resume behind you, and I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad this has worked out for you, and I assume that you're on to uh, more film projects, film documentaries, hopefully, and uh, when that happens, uh, when they're ready for the world, I hope you come back and join us again, Billy McMillan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.